We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, episode 62. As we bring you the hottest breaking stories from the Camp Nou, I'm Dan Hilton. As always, Frances Tomas over in London joining me as well as always. And thanks so much for tuning in again. If you got an iPhone, subscribe to iTunes, Android, it's Google Play, and on Spotify on either. Again, if it's your first time listening to the show or it's your 62nd time listening to the show, five stars would always be great. And you can also find us on social media, Twitter at the Barcelona Pod, Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. I'm at Hilton D13. You can drop me a line as well. So, Frances, we've got another show with another La Grande Pregunta. What is it today? We've got a show based on a listener question. And um, I think we do this from time to time. But the thing is, we always try and think of the best question to ask. And a lot of the time, it comes from you, the listener. So I want to say thank you very much. We're going to be talking about... Will Dembélé succeed at the camp? No. I know that a lot of our listeners and a little bit ourselves are a little bit worried about to what's happening with Dembélé. So we're going to try and break that down um, at the beginning of the show. Then I was joined by Adil. As, um, if you listened to the previous episode that we published earlier in the week, which if you haven't, you really have to go and listen because it's awesome, says the very big-headed host. Um, with Adil from Barca 19 Stats and the second part of the interview is coming today. And after that, we've got a ton of listener questions, and hopefully yours is going to be read out. The Barcelona Podcast 62 starts right here. So the question we got this week from Facebook, Juan Ortega asks, is, Bar- is Dembele the largest waste of money in Barcelona history? And he said, there's a caveat here, please spare him the he has been injured excuse. So we're going to try to actually stay away from using the excuse of he's been injured, but of course that's probably going to come up. And he also added that, saying that Valverde has no style, he brings a dull Bilbo defense game, and Barcelona offense can no longer figure out those defenses. Only the talent carries this team, and when the talent takes an afternoon off, he said nothing happens. That was a question that we tried to answer against Hadafe about that, yes, the defense has been good, and the defense has been good enough, and whether or not the Barcelona offense can break down those park the bus. Well, that was also episode 59. So for Juan Ortega's multiple questions we're going to focus on will Dembele succeed at the camp no which is our version of his question now for me Frances we have to start with not necessarily his time at Barcelona but why he was a player that was seen to be worth 100 million euro why would Barcelona bring this kid in what kind of quality did he have 
previously? And I think that's the big question. Three years ago, Usmani Dembele is an unknown 17-year-old kid playing for Renéth 2 squad in France. And again, I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce that. What is that? Renéth 2? I'm not sure what it would be. Anyway, in France. Then 2015-16, he debuts for the first team, scores 12 goals, 5 assists in 26 appearances. His stock goes way up. The following year, he then moves to Dortmund, contributes 8 goals and 18 assists and 42 appearances for Dortmund, being named to not only the Bundesliga team of the season, but also the rookie of the season award in the Bundesliga. Along the way, he scored the winning goal against Bayern Munich in the DFB Pokal semifinal and scored a goal in a 2-1 win over Eintracht Frankfurt in the DFB Pokal final, named the man of the match in that one, and Dortmund wins their first major title in five years. So just over the last three years, look at the journey he's had from France to Germany to Spain. Again, all three different languages. And yes, Europe is a lot easier and you can attest more to me than in the States. We don't we have a hard time learning a second language. But over in Europe, again, the languages seem to flow a little more freely. Nevertheless, Dembele still has had to go from climate to climate, country to country. And he's doing that in three years. He's 20 now, but he did all the other things as a teenager. And, and so there's just there's a lot of pressure on him. For me, I'd be nervous enough moving to Barcelona, having to train with Messi every day. And they do say that nerves really do have an effect sometimes. And I we, we spoke about it months ago when he first got injured, that nerves probably helped with those injuries. And a guy who hadn't really trained much over the summer hasn't found his form just yet. So you even look at this week, he may have been out with a stomach bug for one of the training sessions, but... I guess other than the beginning of the season, is this the most training he's done with his teammates since he got to Barcelona? It is, of course, of course it is, because he hasn't been well. He hasn't been fit enough to do that. Um, I understand that Juan's asking, you know, don't tell me about the the muscular injuries, but you have to, you have to, because this is a 20-year-old player who has a huge amount of pressure on his shoulders, um, incredible price tag that, let's face it, he's never going to get off. Um, every player, like I can just think Ibrahimovic when he came to Barca was incredibly expensive. Suarez was incredibly expensive. So is Coutinho. So regardless of what he does, whether he's a success or not, the price tag is going to be there. And always it's always going to be one of the first things that people think. Um, now, is this going to be... Is, is Dembele going to allow this to block his mind? At the moment, he seems to be. Uh, beginning of the season when he got the injury in the third game that's because his his mind wasn't really where he needed to be he had a lot of um, ideas running through his head he wanted to do too much too early um, in terms of coming back say a month ago when he got injured again I think it's a repetition he's just trying to impress himself trying to impress impress the fans and trying to find his way in arguably one of the biggest squads in football history in terms of quality now, fast forward to um, the game against Getafe. Again, his mind was blocked. Um, he's only been training with the, with the squad for a couple of days that week. Um, he wasn't feeling very well, which obviously is why Monday he was off training. And it just didn't work out. And, and that happens, you know, you're 20 years old. You've gone through the journey that obviously Dandrew just explained. And you've got all of that amount of pressure on your head and, and you're obviously going to make mistakes. And, and it happens. It's part of life. It's part of growing up. Now, um, the Camp Nou, for the first time in forever, had 75,000 people in the stadium. It was the best La Liga crowd that we've had the whole year. 
which is to be celebrated. But every time that Dembélé made a mistake, you could start to hear the run run that regular listeners to the show know that I've been mentioning a couple of times before, which is um, people moaning basically when when players make mistakes. Um, it can really get to your head. Like I remember Bojan Kirkic that started as a 17 year old. He was impressive for say a year or so, always making a difference off the bench. But the moment that he started starting, because he was chosen in the starting lineup, um, the, 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 the Cam No started distrusting him. And all of that complaining, moaning that you hear from the stadium and, and the fans ended up affecting his brain. I really do hope that Dembele is stronger than this. And he can put all of that behind. And, you know, let's say Coutinho has Messi and Suarez by his side. But actually, I think the player that needs the most support right now is not necessarily Coutinho. I think it's Dembélé because he is a player that can be in the top five uh, with nurture, with confidence and support. But we need to make sure that he's okay and that he's able to, in a way, show us his magic. And it seems like Dembélé, if you look at pictures from training, has aligned himself with two of his countrymen in Dinye and Umtiti. And Samuel Umtiti is not a guy that I would mess with. It's sort of a guy that I'd want in my entourage. Uh, Umtiti is a guy that should definitely be in his ear. And I like that friendship to hopefully to hopefully prosper. And the other thing I'd say about those injuries, Frances, is that he has been injury played to Barcelona, and we've now broken those down, but neither of them have been major injuries that have required surgery. And that's the difference, too, where injuries derail careers. Yes, guys can have consistent hamstring injuries but very rarely do you see for a young guy in their teen years or their early 20s have their entire career offset by injuries that don't require surgery now one of my favorite players ever is a U.S. player midfielder Stu Holden when he went to Bolton he had not only one broken leg but he had his leg broken and then when later for the U.S. team he tore his ACL and he's had so many knee operations and it forced him to even to retire early. Or you see guys who have head injuries, concussions, those can derail careers. But there should come a time soon, hopefully, where we can put all these injuries behind Dembele and he becomes this new player. Now, to actually answer Juan's question of is he the largest waste of money in Barcelona history, maybe he could be. But I think we're going to look ahead to say 2021 is a much better time to ask that question. I think he's going to at least need two or three years to figure out exactly what he means to Barcelona and where he fits in the team. You even look, we, we talked about this in the last show, where he's not the most important piece of this year's puzzle. And Barcelona can still win a treble with or without Dembele on the field. Yes, he's important. Yes, he helps improve their chances. But they have enough quality to get through the last game of the Copa, plus La Liga, plus Champions League, without Dembele operating at all cylinders. So he can still be just a role player, a squad player for the rest of this season while he gets comfortable playing at the Camp No, I think it's silly and I think it's irresponsible for Kool-Aid's. And this could even be you and I at times where it's a knee-jerk reaction when a guy has five appearances for Barcelona over the course of five months and two different injuries. And now we're already going to say that he's been a flop or that he's not the player that we bought or he's not living up to expectations. I think five appearances... That's not enough. If you're an older player that came in, was expected to do a certain job, and you don't necessarily do that job, and it looks like you're struggling in that manner, then maybe the stone is cast. But for Dembele, still being a 20-year-old, still having to adapt to the Barcelona style, which is, as we talked about with Coutinho earlier in last week's show as well, 
it takes time to adapt to Barcelona's style. And when you're playing alongside Messi, that must be nerve-wracking in training. And so Dembele just has to get that confidence and figure out what's needed of him. Uh, Frances, I think if we wrapped up this question. Yes, uh, you took the words out of my mouth. I really do think that a player that has played, what, three or four matches in the last five months and he's 20 years old, um, I think it's very unfair to judge him um, as in the flop of the century simply because he's not been able to excel with that amount of difficulty on his shoulders. Um, I think, as you said, we need to give him time and I fully trust he's going to be a very productive player for us. So let's, let's wait and see. So we assume that Dembele didn't make your five-star players of the week, but who did in La Bolsa? Dembele did not make the stars, but I really can't wait until he does, um, and he would definitely be included. Even if he doesn't deserve it sometimes, I would try and put him in um, just to give him a bit of um, a bit of support from the fans, a bit of love from the TV pod team. With one star, it was Ivan Rakitic. Um, he was very good against Valencia. He limited himself to doing what the team needed, which is balance um, against Valencia away under the incredibly passionate crowd. It was important that the team stuck together. Um, that's why Valverde put Andre Gomez in the team. But obviously, we all know that didn't work very well. But Rakitic did. Um, in the second half, he was sort of moving forward, joining in a little bit better in attack. And he ended up scoring a goal, which um, decided the, the tie. So that was really good against Getafe again. He added that solidity, he made the team much more compact, and he made sure that Getafe's counter-attacks were pretty much stopped before they started. So one star goes to Rakitic. With two stars, I've got Don Andres Iniesta. Again, hasn't really played 180 minutes um, over the week, but the thing is, he doesn't really need to. Um, he adds something that no one else really has, and as I explained in our previous podcast, um, that was episode 61, I really do think that Iniesta is more of a key player now than probably he's ever been. Um, his vision, his ability to unbalance defenses, defenses, his ability to combine, and not just that, but that pauser, that ability to pause the game and decide the tempo that the team should follow. It's just him and Messi that can't do it right now. Obviously, Busquets that do it as well, but Busquets doesn't necessarily go in the final third, which Iniesta and Messi obviously do. So I think that because of those reasons, um, Iniesta deserves the two stars. Again, a key player that we're incredibly fortunate to have at Barca. Now for the third and fourth stars, I'm going to do something that I've never done before. I'm going to share them uh, because basically they all come in the same pack. It's um, Jerry Mina and Lucas Digne. I think they both performed at a remarkable level, better than most would have even expected. They spent the vast majority of their time covering up spaces for others. Um, not necessarily having to self-correct mistakes they had done, which is great. Um, they were aggressive when anticipating movements and they were attentive when challenged one-on-one -on -one throughout, um, particularly, obviously, the game against Getafe in, um, in Mina's case. Um, Mina himself could have scored a couple of times. He didn't, but then again, he came very close. And Digne, as we said in our previous podcast as well, he probably played better as centre-back than he does at left-back. So I think the third and fourth stars go to Jerry Mina and Digne for a very, very impressive performance against Getafe at centre-back. I almost feel bad for Digne on this one, that Digne finally gets a shot at the five-star players of the week and you don't even give him his own star. He has to share one with Mina. Well, yes, that 
That is true. I mean, they shared the third and the fourth star. So basically three and a half stars for Dinier, if that makes you happy. Well, I mean, I'm assuming that, that Lucas Dinier listens to the show, you know, and I, I just don't want him to be hurt by the fact that we haven't given his own, you know. Oh, of course. Of course he listens to the show. He, he texted me yesterday about it. With five stars, is Lionel Andres Messi. I mean, against Valencia, he was outstanding. Um, every single ball in attack went through his feet. He was the focal point main reference once again he was incredibly engaged from the beginning he basically drove the team forward like he always does and uh you know you always look at other players because you don't want to give the five stars to Messi every week but the thing is if he earns it I think it's unfair to not give it to him because he's the best player ever and he's the main reason why we're still unbeaten in La Liga and uh, challenging for every title um, obviously, he wasn't as great against Getafe, but then again, it was a very difficult, tough, uncomfortable game for anyone to play. No one was really inspired, but Messi was probably the one that tried it the most. So, again, the five stars have to go to Messi because of the way he's led the team over the week. I just physically don't understand how a man can get fouled so often and hacked to the ground so many times and suffer so few injuries over the course of his career. Iniesta is almost of the same regard, and for Iniesta, that's the unfortunate thing, that if he wasn't fouled as much as he has been over the course of the last decade and a half, maybe he could have got an extra year or two out of his career, and the same will probably be said about Messi in the future, but I don't know how those guys continue to get up every time they get knocked down the ways that they are. It's That, if anything, is one of the most impressive things about the two of them. Of course, and also the fact that they don't really react to it. You know, Messi gets increasingly annoyed. Um, the older he's gotten, he gets more annoyed now. But the thing is, if it was pretty much any one of us, we would have done something much, much worse at the sheer inability of anyone else to stop you by kicking you or dragging you by the shirt or complaining about you. It's, it really is remarkable, I agree. Yeah, certainly. Another remarkable thing is how that you, Frances, this is a cheesy transition, about how you, Frances, and Adil or Barcelona, or Barca19 stats on Twitter, broke down his proposed starting 11, and we'll continue with the second half of that interview now. What are your thoughts on Coutinho? Because he did start today in his preferred position as a left interior midfielder. Iniesta was rested, and Coutinho basically was not played out of position. He played where he wants to play, where he excelled at Liverpool. But he wasn't that great either, so what are your thoughts on him now? Yeah, he played where he is uh, supposed to play to 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 uh, theoretically uh, rest Iniesta in Champions League. Uh, I think it's the same thing as Dembele. He's not. Uh, he needs time to adapt to our style of play. Uh, I think he's still surprised, but by how how parked the, the defenses are against us, he doesn't find the the spaces he used to have. Uh, in the Premier League, uh, and uh, uh, with time, uh, he is going to 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 uh, enter the dynamic of the team, to understand the, the style of play, uh, to to have a, a better uh, cohesion and understanding with uh, his uh, teammates. Uh, he did try some 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 things from a creative point of view. He is still not as efficient as we want him to be. Uh, I think uh, the point that he will bring to the team after uh, after being fully uh, uh, integrated in the team is the creative aspect because
because we lack that right now. We only have Messi uh, who can uh, break those uh, compact defenses, who can uh, create something from nothing. We have also Iniesta, but Iniesta, when he is in, uh, uh, when he is not in his peak physical condition, he is struggling a bit. So Coutinho, I think he will bring that spark needed to uh, to destroy those uh, those compact defenses that always play uh, uh, this way uh, against uh, Barcelona. Absolutely, I think that Iniesta and Messi they do make the difference, don't they? They as as much as you want to spend in new players, e.g. Dembélé, Coutinho, um, arguably Paulinho was very expensive too. I think the ones that are making the difference seem to have been in the team for many many years. Um, obviously, Luis Suarez as well signed a couple of years ago. Actually, no, three years ago now, and um, costing the club a lot of money. But you know, sometimes you always think that whoever's playing for another team is going to be the one that's going to save us. Inverted commas in there, but actually, it's the players that we've got here that end up making the difference and carrying the team forward. So, in that, with that in mind, do you think Barca would win any silverware this season if, say, Messi got injured? Uh, if Messi got injured, this is a very disturbing question. I, uh, I really <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> but because uh, he's I... so dominant, isn't he? He basically he's got every channel of attacking transition going through him. So I think there needs to be a plan if Messi does get injured. So I think I'd like yeah. you to answer it because I don't know what I would say. Yeah, uh, I would be worried a few years, years ago. Uh, in 2013, and it's happened. Uh, in 2014, uh, after that, I think now with Valverde, uh, we have a solid. Uh, we have a solid uh, team. We have a plan. We have a clear plan where everyone has has a role. Uh, of course, if Messi is not there. There is less danger for the, the opponents. There is less, less creativity. But I think that there are players who can carry the team. Iniesta can carry the team. Uh, Luis Suarez can contribute. I think uh, already we have a strong defense hold now with Valverde. So the only concern will be to, to, to score goals. And I think when Messi is not there, uh, there are players who, who, who can can uh, rise to, to the occasion. When uh, Messi got injured in 2015, 2016, uh, we had Luis Suarez and Neymar who played the role of the of the the main man, and we had a good run without Messi. We went to the Bernabeu and we won without Messi, uh, without Messi starting because he was a sub. And uh, I think now we have enough personality to 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 go challenge for 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 titles without him. We already have seven points lead in La Liga. Uh, that's that's good. Uh, we can afford to to drop a few points, uh, but the, the the rest of the team uh, they can assure uh, we win uh, the uh, most games in Champions League. It will be. Uh, most difficult to to win without Messi, but uh, Barcelona still has a, a core of players who can make the difference anytime. I agree, I agree, and I, I think I, I agree in terms of the feeling of what you're saying because I'm also quite reassured that 
say Messi couldn't play for a prolonged number of games, which hopefully will never happen, I think we are better served now. I think there's deeper a deeper squad. Obviously, Lex are tired. That's just playing at the very beginning of the interview. But I agree with you. I think we've got a much better plan moving forward if that was to happen. Now, I've been going through your Twitter uh, before the interview and because I, I always find all the stats that you publish really interesting because I don't know where you find them, to be honest, but um, they really are very informative. There's one that really sort of caught my attention. You said, Eibar away next, a team who lost only one of the last 12 La Liga games. I see, I didn't quite realize that, that they really are on form. And you ask, yeah. can we afford to rest key players versus them for Chelsea? So what do you think? See, see if you can answer your own question. <laughs> uh, it's gonna be a, a, a very difficult game, uh, especially uh, away. Uh, I don't think we can rest many key players. Uh, we have already five days to recover, so uh, we can feel the strong uh, starting eleven. Uh, we can maybe rest one of the of the fullbacks, Roberto or Alba. Uh, otherwise, I think if we we need we want to win, we need to 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 go all in for for Ibar. Uh, we don't have now the luxury of dropping uh, many points. Uh, we have now a seven point lead. Uh, any other uh, draw or loss, and uh, Atletico is coming closer. And we play them in, in three weeks. So if they can. Uh, shrink the lead to to like three or four points. They will come to the camp you now with with motivation, with the momentum, and I'd rather have them uh, at at bay. Uh, now for Chelsea, it's gonna be tough. Uh, we need to be ready, uh, but uh, like I said, now we don't have a choice. We need to concentrate on both La Liga and and the Champions League, and see see what happens. Right, so what sort of game do you do you expect Chelsea to come and do? I mean, if experience is anything to go by, they always come and park the bus, isn't it? And they just wait and see when we commit a mistake or we are dispossessed because, you know, I foresee the game being sort of us knocking against the back line pretty much constantly and then trying to catch us out with a long ball somewhere. Um, how do you see the game? And do you think we'll beat them over two rounds? Because these are not... A 90 minute matches there are 180 minutes ties so that makes a difference um, obviously the away goal being really important as well so how do you see that clash yeah yeah and we've seen that in 2012 uh, it's uh, it's uh, it's never easy against them uh, they were going to do exactly that they were going to 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 play it safe and stay in defense and counter they have the, the ability they have the players to to to, to hurt us on counters with Hazard, with Pedro, with other players. They're not having the best time right now, but I think their style of play is suited to, 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 to cause us problems. Now that they've seen what Alaves did, what uh, Getafe did, what Espanyol did, what Valencia did at the Camp Nou in the Copa, uh, it's more of a reason to, to try and pack the bus and play uh, compact defense, de defense uh, uh, without really risking everything uh, at home. They were going to try and get a good result at the Stanford Bridge, uh, draw maybe 
small win uh, and come to the Camp Nou uh, uh, in the hope of a miracle like, like it's happened in 2012. Uh, even then, uh, they didn't really play a good game, a good uh, good uh, 180 minutes uh, defensively because Barcelona managed to, to create lots of clear chances, but we weren't unlucky and uh, uh, the way these minutes unfolded, we uh, we should have been in the final, but uh, it's football. It's not always uh, the best team uh, that uh, advances. And Chelsea will come as an underdog and try to 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 create a surprise. For sure, like like Iniesta said recently, football not all mathematics. Football are not mathematics. So there's a lot of variables that need to be considered. So. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we can get through, but it definitely is going to be a tough one. So, Adil, let's say you're the Barca manager for the Chelsea game. And who starts for you? Who's in your starting eleven For the game against uh, Chelsea? Yeah, for an important game. Who, basically, who's in your gala eleven right now? Uh, of course, there's Shigan uh, in the goal. Uh, we have Piqué and Umtiti uh, as centre-backs. Roberto and Alba as full-backs. Uh, Busquets, Iniesta, Rakitic. Uh, I would add Paulinho he, if he is ready, if he is having a, a good game against Evar, I will uh, play him against Chelsea with Messi and uh, and Suarez uh, up front. Dembele will be on the bench to 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 try and come uh, come on as a sub, uh, create uh, difficulties for 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 them if they are really. Uh, tired after def- defending for 60 or 70 minutes. Uh, so, yeah, that's that will be my lineup. Okay. So, what does Paulinho do in your team? Where does he play? How does he collaborate? How does he deserve to be in that 11? What do you see him doing? Uh, I think that we need to have some physicals, physical presence uh, in midfield uh, against Chelsea and uh, uh, he is uh, good also at coming from the back, uh, creating uh, uh, numerical uh, advantage in in the opposite back box. Uh, so there is that. Uh, uh, when he is in form, he plays really a good defensive uh, role in in the pressing uh, uh, phase and uh, in uh, uh, destroying the counter attacks. Uh, so that will be his main uh, uh, his main uh, uh, task in the in the in the game. Uh, but like I said, it depends on his form because lately he has uh, a bit of a drop of form. So I would play him uh, against Ebar and see uh, how he's, he he fares. And uh, uh, I think uh, we discuss this. Uh, from uh, from from afar, but I think Valverde in every training session he is the most able to evaluate every player and make the, those decisions on the on the on the lineup. For sure, and I agree with you. Uh, we're very we're very similar minded, you and I. I think your starting eleven is pretty much mine. The reasoning for Paulinho, I also agree. So. Interesting, very interesting. Now, Adil, that's all the time we've gone for today. It's been a pleasure to have you here. Where can our listeners follow your work online? Uh, especially on Twitter, uh, the handle is Barca19Stats. 
uh, it's not really a professional uh, account. It's more of a personal account where I post mainly stats, but I also discuss everything Barcelona and, uh, and everything football. Uh, I hope I I can bring some some knowledge and some 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 interesting facts via the the, the stats and the the, the streaks I, I tweet about. And uh, I always uh, appreciate any feedback. So much thanks to Adil Alkanhanduki again, aka Barca19 Stats on Twitter, for joining the show this week. And Frances, really like that over the last few months, you've gotten a number of high profile guests from Barcelona, and particularly the ones that impact Barcelona and the conversation on social media. And we'll continue to give you those interviews in the coming weeks. And it's been a fantastic conversation you've been having with them. I'm privileged. I'm very lucky. Um, people are very nice and generous with their time as well. Um, next week, I haven't even told you this off air, Dan, but next week, um, obviously, Chelsea are coming to Barca, uh, obviously playing on Tuesday. And I am going to the official dinner with the board and different members from the PBL, which is the Peña Blaugrana London, and obviously representatives that are coming from around the world to visit us. So I'm probably going to see a lot of Peña members on Monday night, this official dinner at Baron Co, which obviously is the boat by the River Thames here in London. Um, it's going to be a great, great night. And um, yeah, I'm very excited to be there. Yeah, that's great news for Anses. And again, the Barca community, as we've seen, seems to be a quite kind and caring one. And while we can't speak for the community of Los Blancos, we do know the Barcelona community is one that's very helpful and, and global as well, where you have the Los Angeles community, where you and I are both three hours and goodness knows what 11 hours for you away and yet they're always with us and supportive on twitter and we always thank all the different communities that help the barcelona podcast become a part of the barcelona social media team time for social media continuing that conversation from our listener questions of the week in la ronda first from menio in detail what do you think is the best lineup to use when going to stanford bridge and frances i think it's pretty much the one that you and Adil broke down yeah, it is precisely that one. It will be Ter Stegen on goal, Piquet and Umtiti if they are unavailable and, and, and healthy. Then Alba and Sergi Roberto, Busquets, um, Iniesta, Rakitic. And up front, I will have Messi and Suarez. And then the other spot, I would give Paulinho because of the physicality that he adds. Yeah, I completely agree with you on Paulinho. That's a good call. I think he's a guy that can do well against Chelsea. And while he did struggle against Chelsea when he was actually at Tottenham, I think he has the ability to shut down some of those passing lanes and be that destroyer that we know he would like to be against Chelsea. And I think that's going to be a tough match where one goal on the counter could do it. But Barcelona showed they can score on the counter this year as well. And speaking of scoring on the counter, Pulak asks, if Suarez lacks his touch, which can happen to any player, who do you think would replace him in attacking third alongside Messi? For me, I think Paco Alcacer, because again, while Mina, his debut, and Umtiti coming back from injury, Coutinho debuting, Dembele coming back from injury, all of that kind of overshadows Paco Alcacer has also recently returned from injury, and if he can refine his goal-scoring form that he did before his injury, I think he's a guy that has shown in Liga with Valencia in years past that he can find his goal-scoring touch. Agreed. Totally agreed. I think Alcacer as a centre-forward, can be a very, very powerful reference in terms of opening up spaces for others, playing with his back against the wall, but definitely being able to turn around and, and beat the keeper. Um, it's all a matter of confidence, obviously, but I've got full trust that Alcácer can do the job if Suarez, for whatever reason, couldn't. 
Mohammed asks, is Jasper Silson the best backup goalkeeper in the world? Unfortunately, Francis, I have to be honest, I didn't have the time to research this question, but I have to say when I was running through the other national team goalkeepers and if whether or not they're starters or backups for their teams, Jasper Silson is probably the best club backup in the entire world as the Netherlands number one. So for me to change the question a little bit, if we extended this from both club and international, he is not the best backup goalkeeper for me. That's actually, in theory, Mark andre Ter Stegen, who has to back up Manuel Neuer when he's healthy, and vice versa. If Ter Stegen is going to be the World Cup goalkeeper for Germany, then Manuel Neuer is the best backup in the world. But again, I think that's... Is that cheating to use the international teams, or does it count if I just say that I would say that, yes, he is indeed the best club backup goalkeeper in the world? I, I think I think that answer really shows why we love you so much, Dan. You just <laughs> gave a lot of information to a very simple question, um, and that was that was great. I, I think that Silesen is a fantastic backup goalkeeper for Barca. He showed it against Valencia in the cup. He basically ensured we were still in the competition and we qualified for the final with that handball-like save. And yeah, we're very proud to have him. Whether he's the best in the world, no idea, but he's definitely good enough for us. Amit asked. Is there dependency on Iniesta and Busquets going into the Champions League? And you gave them their due diligence in the five stars. And I thought against Hatafe, those two were so important to the way the ball was moving. And I think the way Barcelona has always played in the last decade, they do rely on Iniesta and Busquets, but because they always deliver. Absolutely. I think the back the backbone of the team has to be Messi, Iniesta, Busquets, now Piquet and also Ter Stegen, those five players are key and any team having players of that importance would miss them if they weren't here. So absolutely, Piquet and Busquets are essential. Devesh asks, do Barca need to strengthen at any position and if yes, where? I would say the left back, backup, could be a little bit better. Um, beyond that, I just don't see it. I would rather have... Coutinho and Dembélé given a proper chance in order to grow. I want to see where Paulinho goes in terms of improvement. And I think that players like Alanya and Arnaiz should definitely be given a promotion in the summer. So rather than signing and spending a huge amount of money again, I think we need to grow the great amount of talent we've got right now and nurture the new signings. You're going to hate this answer, Frances. Go on. I think Barcelona need to strengthen the future. As in, they need to continue to make sure that academy prospects found a place in the club and are continuing to work hard and are with the club and find a path for the first team. So I think that while the first team doesn't need any proper strengthening other than, as you mentioned, Dinier is worrisome. But again, if he can take the confidence at center back to the left back position, we're even in good shape there. But for me, it's just how does Barcelona continue to make sure that when Dembele is hopefully a future star and is a number one option on the team, alongside the likes of Coutinho, who's only still 25, and Umtiti, of course, who's 24, once those guys are the, are the number ones and the superstars of Barcelona, who's going to be alongside them? Maybe Carlos Alenia and the rest of his crew. But I'd like to see more of Barcelona saying 10 years from now, when we're having messy days every other week and honoring him at the Camp No every other week, who else is now going to be leading Barcelona in that next generation? That's what I want to see. I want to see more of a strength in that plan. Well, I love the answer. I agree with you. I really do hope that we've got lots of academy players in the future because 
10 years ago, we had more than we do now. So definitely something that we should do moving forward. Lassie asks, who would you choose to be our third center back, Mina or the Verminator? Which is not a nickname I've heard very often, but I like it. Yeah, no, that, that's what we call him in Barcelona. Um, also, <laughs> lots of people used to call him the glass center back or the glass man uh, for obvious reasons. Um, I don't think it matters. I think that Mina performed really well against Getafe and he proved that he can be an option moving forward in terms of attacking. He was very close to scoring. So I think probably Mina should be the third choice, particularly, and you know we don't know what's going to happen in the future, but until this point, Mina's health has been much better than Fermalen's. Although Fermalen did do a job, so I don't think it matters very much. Um, I just hope that they both are available for selection. And, you know, to be honest, so are PK and UMTT in, in years to come. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think it matters too much. Well, I, I think for me, you don't bring in a guy like Mina to have him be a fourth choice center back while he's not going to overtake Umtiti and PK this year and potentially even next year with PK signing that contract extension. Mina is the guy that you want in the future. He's the guy that you want to groom to be the man in the middle. So I think for as many games as you can give him, you give him those opportunities. And unfortunately, if that means Romalian is the odd man out, again, as you said, he's shown that in limited time, he definitely doesn't need 100 games to find his form. His job is to come in when he's healthy when PK, Umtiti, or even Mina at that point are out and do a job, and he showed that he can do that, so he has a place in the squad for me, just, I think, behind Mina in this case. Papa asked, When it mattered, the coach has failed the last 15 minutes. Maybe we could have scored, but we cannot rely on this. Why do you think he's a great coach? Explain this to me. And I'm wondering if Papa's mainly just saying that in the second half, if not for his subs, if anything, actually, Valverde has made the right choices, so Barcelona is much better in the second half. My real worry is how can Valverde help his team get ready for the opening kickoff? Uh, uh, for me, I mean, for me, Valverde has led Barca to the best start to La Liga in our club history, and that's nearly 120 years. And I think that's why he's a great coach. He's not all out of luck. Luis Enrique couldn't do it last year. Given the departure of Neymar in the summer, his squad is arguably having less quality than he did last season. So I think we rate him highly because he's led Barca to the best ever start. Yeah, that's fair. Christo asks, Hi guys, worried about the seven-point gap? I say, not worried, but the La Liga isn't done. I think it'd be too, it's too overconfident to say the Liga is over and Atletico Madrid has no shot to, to catch Barcelona. We have to still take it very seriously. Yeah, sure. But at the same time, I think that it would be quite pretentious of us to say that we're seven points at the top of the table and we're worried. We can't be worried. I mean, every other team should be more worried than us, right? Um, I do think that it was a wake-up call having a couple of results that weren't great. Again, we didn't lose the games and our distance has reduced. I do get that. But no, the other team should be worried. We should just be wary of the fact that the Liga, as you said, is not finished and we need to keep pushing, but not worried at all. Final question from Instagram. Majdinas Rala asks, what's your biggest criticism for Valverde this season? For me, it's the goal scoring in the opening half. For me, it's that. And also the fact that he didn't use Alanya or Arnaiz enough or Cucurella or Palencia or, you know, the, the Barca B players enough in La Copa when he probably should have. I'd like to change my answer to your answer, Francis, if that's okay. <laughs> no, it's not okay. That would be cheating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly. But Valverde, is, as was mentioned, 
exceeded all expectations. And yes, we'd love to see a little more from the Academy prospects. But as I mentioned last show with Barcelona B, they currently have a lot on their plate to worry about as well. So hopefully we can hear from Elena and Arneith next season if they hopefully become part of the first team. And we'll see what becomes of those two. Well, for this show, we've seen what's become of this show. It's all over. And we thank you again for listening to another edition of the Barcelona Podcast, bringing the hottest breaking stories from the camp. No. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon at Barca Barca. Barca. Barca.